Leon Wisniewski, welcome to Healthcare Beans. Great to have you. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, so Leon, I, I found you on LinkedIn, um, and I also came across Health Cost Labs. And so I wanted to start there. I, I know you're the, uh, the co-founder, um, and you're leading that group. Um, and I would just like to get a better sense of, of what that group does. It sounds like it's been around for a while, and certainly your expertise has been around for a while in this in Sure. This so, so thank you. So I, I never saw myself starting a company called Health Cost Labs okay. <laughs> and trying to bring transparency to healthcare. Like, like if you asked me 10 years ago, if this is what I would be doing, I'm like, that makes no sense. I don't know what you're talking about. But I used to work in a Blue Cross in contracting and then I call it payment no integrity. Um, and and when you have front row seats into how money is transacted between payers, patients, and providers, you see that is not up and up. It's not ethical. There's a lot of uh, code shifting, a lot of you know ignoring relevant data, presenting pretty pictures that leave information out. So it was, it was very dishonest. And, okay. and and it was against my value. It came to a point where it was just against my value system to to work in this environment any longer. And I was miserable. I I was going to a job I hated it because it was doing the wrong thing. And it just it just it was horrible. And um, but you know I had a mortgage, I had kids, I had nowhere else to go, and so I have to keep doing this. Yeah. So so finally, when the laws changed uh, requiring um these files to be public, I'm like, I got this. I know exactly what to do to bring this data to market because I make these files like every day. I know exactly. Oh my God. All right. I have inside knowledge on, on exactly how to do this. So I'm like, I got this covered. So my partner and I, um, we're self-funded. We have no investors. We're like, we're going to pull the curtain back and we're going to show people the truth and just create a different conversation. So that was three years ago. So we, we put all this work, like 18 months of work and seven hours a day, writing scripts, cleaning up these files, fighting dirty data. Oh, wow. You must it, have quit your job then. Well, I had a set other job. I was burning the midnight oil. It was horrible. It was oh, like, that's rough. I was getting okay. no sleep. It was very rough. So we finally got it off the ground. And what I learned now, here we are in um, September of 2023, was the problem in healthcare is not price transparency. The problem is conflicts of interest. And people are making money on the overpayments and their own products that they were probably legitimate good products before price transparency. Like they had to do something to try and control costs. So they engaged in this reference-based pricing and these other efforts to, to hotwire the PPO system and do something different, which I totally makes sense. But now we have price transparency. There is a, a legitimate new data point relevant in healthcare, and I see a lot of companies are ignoring it because they're married to their old products, and you know they're not changing. They're not changing their products to to integrate data into it. This this right. price transparency data. So, so that is kind of where I see this this conflict or this challenge. Thankfully, Cody Coonrad and and Dustin McQuay from a Salt Lake City reached out to me a few months ago on LinkedIn, saw what I was trying to do, said, hey, this guy is, you know, he's fighting a good fight and I want to help him out. So they reached out to me, you know, like, let's talk, you know, can, can we help you? And I said, well, I, I have the data, but I cannot penetrate 
the the benefits industry and consumers. It's just not sticking, and I, I'm right. I'm failing. Okay, was and Health like, Cost Labs up and running at this point? Yes, Health Cost okay. Labs was a data aggregator. So you know we could load these, download and clean these files and load them pretty quickly. Not not much effort now because everything, all the hard work was done. Mm -hmm. But it still wasn't doing a darn thing because we weren't getting people to change their behavior. So Cody and Dustin built the mobile app called Billy. So we supply the data under Billy. And Billy is about breaking the relationship between the consumer, the employee, and their employer for their health care benefits. We want the employee to see there's lower cost alternatives out there. And then you should not only advocate for yourself at the doctor's office to pay the lowest rate, you should also challenge your HR department on why are they sticking you with an expensive network when there's cheaper alternatives that are available to you. So it's about keeping everybody honest, you know, creating a different conversation and, and respecting prices and people. Interesting. And so this is all really, so you've been working in this space for over 10 years. Um, 20, 20 years. 20 years. Okay. And and let's call it, as you said, it was really, really funny term there, payment, non-integrity. No no in, payment, no integrity. Payment, no integrity. Um, <laughs> and, and it just got to be a drag more and more. Um, and then in 2021, you saw that the laws changed and that's what kicked yes. off health cost labs. Okay. All right. And that's yes. the price transparency laws. There are like two of them. There's the insurance yes. and then there's the hospital one, right? Right. So we started in 2021 with the hospital prices price files. And then 18 months later, in July of 2022, the payer files came out. Okay. So I'm like, okay, I'll load those too. Because I know how the system how the system works and how claims get paid, I honestly thought I could they would be smaller. Because and I here and follow me here. Okay. At any insurance company, you have many providers who share the same fee schedule. Mm-hmm. So even though there are many providers, they're all using the same fee schedule. Okay. And there's only a few have different fee schedules. So in my head, I'm thinking, you know, before July 1st, I'm thinking, oh, I'm, they're just going to give me this one fee schedule and I can apply all these MPIs to this one fee schedule and, you know, I have a network. Well, that's not what happened. What they did was that they put the entire fee schedule with every distinct MPI causing trillions of rows of data. So there's a different way to deliver the data that could be downloadable and usable, but they didn't do it, you know, to make it clean. They did it to make it hard. And who's they? The insurance companies. Okay. And they all did they all did they have the choice to do this like all of them independently and they just went the hard route? I I guess I should watch how I say this. But when you look at the CMS requirements, when you look at the um the file specifications, there was a file spec, which which defined how a file should be made, ha as I just said it. Okay. But it's optional. They put the word optional next to it. Oh, so, so it weird. was it was their choice to not do it this way. Huh. So it's not wrong they didn't do it because CMS made it optional. CMS should have made it required. So mm -hmm. they had they had to change the file specifications to shrink down this data. And and get rid of these you know these dead MPIs that <laughs> don't no longer exist and all these zombie codes that it's just overwhelming. As you, and to do process these files, you kind of need cloud processing. Okay. And that's not free. It's very costly. 
you spent a lot of time you you spent you had to spend money and time putting together the infrastructure to process these files because you did and you need and frankly you need an investor with millions of dollars who could who could fund this operation because it's not something you can do on a paycheck you mean going forward because you already billy looks pretty pretty good already it know. does thank you for that so um so so that, that's a carrot so we're not working on the carrier files right now um, well, I shouldn't say it. we're trying to clean them up to okay. to pull out the clean information and insert it into Billy. But Billy has a different future. And in the Consolidated Appropriations Act, there was a requirement, there is a requirement that all employers had to furnish their employees a cost comparison tool that shows not only your network rates, but the out of network rates, meaning it has to show data from these machine readable files. So Billy does satisfy the requirements of the cost comparison tool. So we're trying we're trying to you know forge ahead in two different markets. The one is with the um, individual exchange market, the ACA exchange market, where people are just buying healthcare without their employer, okay, because they need a cost comparison tool by themselves. And we're also trying on an, another front to penetrate the um, the self funded space to say, hey, here is the cost comparison tool that you are required to give to your employees. But as you know, CMS isn't enforcing many of the laws. Oh, tell me about that. I'm not, I'm actually not too much in the know on what they're enforcing and not enforcing there. I mean, I, I'm sure there are fines, right? There's supposed to be fines. For... There are supposed to be significant fines, but okay. not, you know, several hospitals, they have non-compliant files or they went many months without posting any files. And by law, they're supposed to be fined by the government and they weren't fined. So they just got away with not posting files. Interesting. So we're saying there's two, there's two kind of escape routes, either submit like unusable data, right? Because right. they're not compliant or you just don't submit at all. So that's right. That's like the super lazy route. You didn't even lift a finger. You just completely ignored it. Right. So I'll uh, say now, now that we're two and a half years into um, the hospital price transparency, most hospitals have a full and robust file ready for download. They oh, do. Oh, good. Okay. They're massive files. They're JSON files. They're gnarly. But if you understand how to consume them and read them, the data is there. So the problem is not hospital compliance. The, the problem is the benefit industry doesn't want to change its stripes and use the price transparency data to drive to low cost. Why? That's a great question. Well, because part of they're making money on commissions from carriers to, to, to steer clients to their network, which isn't the cheapest. Yeah. And there may be you know other reasons and and change is hard. People don't want to change. Okay. So there's not they're not there's not like a clear path to them making more money by using this information. It sounds like they're just no. not incentivized to do that. No, that's right. That's right. So, you know, so what Billy is about, Billy is about you know, informing the consumer at point of sale that A, there's lower cost alternatives and B, for them to quality check their own bill to make sure they were charged a fair rate. So, Oh, that's interesting. So like, let's say I go through the process, uh, me or someone in my family, we go through the process. We have like some medical expenses. We get some bills. We're looking at them. There's like a portion that we pay. Um, and we're sizing all that up. We could like use Billy to see if that's reasonable. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Huh. And then what do we do if it's not reasonable? Sorry, I'm getting ahead of that because that's exciting. No, that's fine. That's fine. So what you can do 
is you can go back to the billing department and say, hey, I'm looking at your machine-readable file, or Billy, because yeah. Billy is machine-readable files, and say, you accept for this code $200 cash, but you just charged me $2,000. Consumers need to fight for the lowest rate. You know, the hospitals, you know, hopefully they'll just honor it, you know, do a lesser of and just say, here's the low, lower cash rate. In a, in, a, in a fooled world, they would do that. But that's not where yeah. we are. And unfortunately, the, these payment no-integrity companies do not push the money back down to the consumer. They're taking 30% of the recovery cost. So as the, the higher the claim, the higher their bounty for recovering it. So they are not going to police payments. I say they're letting the bank get robbed is what I say. They're just letting mm-hmm. everything go, auto-adjudicate, pay it. That's more fodder for us to recover so that we can get our bonus. It's messed up. I am of the place where only the consumer can police their own bill. They know what happened in the exam room. They know what they were told at the front desk, and they have to police their own overpayments. And Billy can help them do that. So it's about getting the right information up front, knowing what front front door to enter, and then post-treatment, making sure that you weren't overcharged because this happens every day, everywhere. That that's that makes sense to me. You know, I was um when when I heard heard about it from other people, you know, there were certainly mixed responses to it. First is like, oh, that's really interesting. It, it looks really cool. And then there was like a lot of um, oh, it's not gonna work for this or that reason, uptake by different consumers or something yeah. like that. I feel like it's really hard to that's those are really opinionated sort of statements, like that, that right. the uptake won't and, be there. It's really hard to say that. And I, I, and um, that disappoints me. Like when when people just blow me off, this won't work. It's a nice toy, you know, but it ain't going to work. I know that's rude. <laughs> toy. <laughs> it's a nice toy. Good, good luck. Get out of here. And it's just other people's money. It's not your money to make a decision on how somebody else should receive it. You know, put it out there, inform them what it is, and and, and ask to help if you need it. And and don't don't try and undermine this legitimate product that can help people save money. And number two. People will learn how to use this because they need to save their own money. You know, we're all struggling under inflation and food prices and yeah. gas prices. And nobody nobody wants to go to a hospital or doctor to begin with. Right. You know, that nobody wants to do that. And then when you get a horrible bill after treatment, that's doubly painful. So of course they're going to use Billy to, to make sure that you know they, they shouldn't mm-hmm. pay more than the lowest rate or a fair rate. But th- this will get accepted. It's just getting it off the ground. And, you know, what I need is friend- and people like you and other podcasts to socialize it to your audiences and-, and just grow it word of mouth. And, you know, like Craigslist. Remember, you know, in the mid-90s, I never heard of Craigslist. And I'm at a friend's barbecue one day and somebody tells me about it. That people are selling their used stuff on there. You get stuff really cheap. I'm like, Really? And then for the next like 10 years, I find myself looking at Craigslist <laughs> to, to find something yeah. because I wanted to save money and I didn't want to pay retail. So yeah. it can grow, but it's, it's going to be a grassroots effort because it's not coming from the top down, unfortunately. Yeah, it's what does growth look like? I think a lot of I mean, I'm not a I'm not an app developer or product guy either, but um, I I think these folks, they think in terms of like a total addressable market and are thinking about like a revenue path. 
And so they're thinking about like, what would you do? Like, how do you, what do you do? You, you put a, a paywall in front of this app. And then in order for me to save money, I have to spend money. So we charge $10 per month or $100 okay. per year. And you can drop the subscription one month after you buy it. So let's say, you know, you don't have a need for it. You go to a doctor or hospital, you get nailed with a bad bill or an expensive bill. You can mm -hmm. just buy a bill for that one month. Just do your own quality checking. Mm -hmm. And then drop the subscription. Yeah, that's where you you've priced it now. Okay, I was able to. I checked it out now, just on a on the PC without paying. Is that? Are you still yeah. like in beta stage? And you're gonna well. What we did was so up? when we launched it, we had you know three free searches, and just have at it. There was really okay. no paywall in front of it, and 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 it got a lot of visibility. Which you know, I have 150 thousand impressions on LinkedIn. Nice. <laughs> that's a lot. I was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. It's just like every day I would look and it would grow by another 15,000. Another I'm like holy mackerel. This is <laughs> this is what viral looks like. Um but then it's like after like a month it's like okay, we have to we need to make raise money. We're not a charity here and so we put the paywall up front. Okay. So you have to do it. You do have to log in, create an account to see the prices. You get three free and then you're asked to buy a subscription. Okay. But, okay. So but you know I understand people don't care about prices until they have an event. It's not something you look for. <laughs> I don't look at Lexus prices or Mercedes prices. I'm not going to buy one. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an impetus, like, like an event happens or it's pending. And so you start to look at Billy. You could certainly, I could certainly see myself for 10 bucks. Absolutely. Right through Apple pay. Um, is it on Apple by the way, or is it just Android or something? It's right now. It's a mobile friendly website. We are working to get it into the app store, make it a, a uh, real okay. mobile app. But there's some hurdles that we have to overcome to get it into the app store. It's not like, yeah, it's, it's a little yeah, challenge. You can't just upload code. No, you can't. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're in that yeah. process right now. I, I have no ETA on that, but we do want to get into the app store where it's just like Travelocity and Zillow, yeah, sure, which is sure. really cool. So of course, of course. Yeah. It's got to get in the app stores. Um, Okay. Yeah. So people, people come like they have that need, right? It's like either I want to check a bill or I'm anticipating bills and you start it up. Yes. And then after that, like I could totally, like my wife would never, like she'll cancel it right when we're done. She will. Cause that's, she's very like cost conscious with variability among the public like that. I'm not really cost conscious. Months could pass by where I'm just getting hit sure. on a credit card bill. And, and it's just like, oh, and then finally it's like, oh, this six months have passed. That's ridiculous. Let me stop it now. Until yeah. I need it again. So that I mean, so it sounds like you've got you've got a, a path to revenue. Yeah, and and fortunately, you know, we have no investors. We we this is all sweat equity. There's no there's no investors beating us over the head for earnings. So we we can we have time to do the right thing. You know, bring enough revenue. You know, to to grow organically, where we don't need yeah. to go out with our handout for investors giving away equity and then having them. Giving them with board seats and beating us over the head, you know, for earnings. Yeah, they'll attach they'll attach some seasoned CEOs to your team if you were to do that, and they would be de facto in charge. Yeah, so we're we're trying to delay that. The mandate that employers had to give a cost comparison tool is is a reason why we should draw sales because you are the government says you have to buy it. It's not a choice, and and if they find employers for breaking the for not being compliant, then our sales would increase. So <laughs> we're, we're waiting. 
I'm, I'm hopeful that the Consolidated Appropriations Act, the, the penalties which come in force later this year, may drive employers and benefit agencies to okay. push this solution. Um, but that's coming later this year. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Okay. And what's their choice? I mean, either are the fines substanti- substantial yes. enough or, okay. All right. If, if you're self-funded, the, the, the penalty is $100 per member per day. You are not compliant. It's significant. It's very serious. So, but again, it's only as good as if they're going to enforce it, which we don't know if they will. Hmm. And so we're, we're in this, this like job of the hut bar scene where anything goes <laughs> And we're just waiting for <laughs> we're waiting for the LA Ness to come in to clean up the town. Okay. And to be super clear, essentially these are these are employers um and health plans. They have to offer a price comparison tool to all their members. Yes. If you're if you're fully insured, like if you're using Blue Cross fully insured, Blue Cross is supposed to give you this tool if you're fully insured. Okay. If you're self-funded, it's on your employer to to furnish that tool to you because they are on the hook okay okay now can they so they can they can either build it themselves or they can buy it yes is that the trick? pretty much yes. that's it and to build it it's a lot of work and i don't know if they anyone would bother it when they can just no, buy it for dumb. 10 bucks and be done and be done yeah, with it dumb. no way yeah no that's so in a company like yours and what you're doing you gotta you have to have, you've got your product You've you've already have all the technical and the data, so that's that's cool. You got the product folks that are they're in there supporting it, um, and then you're just sort of everyone on on hands all hands on deck to watch policy. That's really yeah. I think that you know the policy front is important here. Too. It is, and I, I so I think that our growth is is going to be directly tied to the policy and the enforcement of these laws. If they're not going to enforce the laws, why would anybody force this on their employees? They 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 need to skip it. It's not. It's the wrong. They should do it, which is kind of why we're focusing on the ACA exchange market because every person on the ACA exchange is self-funding their own insurance. So yeah. it's like they should want to have this, even if it, I should think so. even yeah. even if it's only to police their own bill, like like you just say, like I'm not going to buy until I need it, and then after I use it, I'll drop it. That's fine, but the ACA we feel that is a a a more strategic market for this tool and, right and, and it doesn't preclude just organic growth no no so you know right i mean if we get investors you know and and hopefully you know we will have money to to put in the advertisement and and socialize this more efficiently but for now we're just trying to grow organically which is just fine because we have some money coming in you know we're not like ready to lose our homes or can't feed ourselves so we are in a better place um so we'll see where it goes. No, no, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for it. Um, there's always been a lot of, uh, I guess, negative sentiment on price transparency. So some people were thinking that this is going to be fantastic, that price transparency has a great um, promise for reducing overall healthcare spending. Um, and then you got a lot of folks, even on the policy side, they're like, no, that's not that's not how people react or behave to prices. They don't care. Uh, co-pays show that they don't care. Right. Studies on co-pays show that they don't care. Um, I've always been like, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think a lot of things can impact um, widespread uptake. It, it's a behavioral phenomenon. It's very difficult to predict. So I would never shut it down completely. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's a, it's products and services follow some natural sort of trajectory that people do, don't want to spend more 
right? Th- that's a universal truth. Right. That they don't want to spend more than they have to. Like nobody does. That's right. Um, so it should it should apply here. <laughs> so I, I find that you know paying cash is the is the easiest way to get the lowest rate. Because when we think about the current insurance industry, they're all about denying claims and slowing down payments to doctors and hospitals. Like that's what their job is. They're, they're trying to not pay them. Um, so that costs money. It costs money for um, bankruptcies, delinquencies, accounts receivables. Like it, it causes so many problems. Somebody, a hospital, a, re, a retired hospital exec told me that 50% of the cost of hospital, of the cost that goes into hospitals, does not go towards patient care. 50% of the hospital spend does not go towards patient care. It goes towards fighting the insurance companies to get paid, the lawyers, the contracts, the delinquencies. All that administration cost is 50% yep. of the spend to hospitals. So if you can walk in to a hospital and look at Billy and say, hey, look, I'm not looking to pay you the Medicaid rate. Because that's not that's too low, but will you take the the minimum commercial rate? Like if Blue Cross is the cheapest rate, mm-hmm. can I just pay you the Blue Cross rate cash right now? And they'll say yes. They all every CFO wants immediate payment for their cash flow. Who what CFO wanted? Thinking about the profile of that person, that's 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 a a self paid person. Yes, someone who's not dishing out a thousand bucks a month on a PPO. Right. Or, and even those people are on high deductible plans. So even they have a vested interest in mm-hmm. in the lowest rate. But it, it is the, the 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 ACA exchange people and it's the health sharing communities who are first dollar that have the most at stake for paying the lowest rate. There's no risk sharing entity behind them to bail them out. There's like I need to do this to survive. But but when you think about, you know, operationally, it totally makes sense that cash should be the cheapest because there's no overhead towards mm-hmm. the cash patient. It's just, I got my right. payment. Here's your treatment. You know, live well and prosperous. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. We hear more and more about cash pay now. It's crazy. It's everywhere. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't I don't know these scenarios exactly. You probably do where people, essentially like the, the, cash, the cash rate is the lowest. <laughs> it is. In, for certain services. And it's just like, how can that, how can that be? How can I spend money how can people spend money on health insurance but somehow at the end when it shakes out it would have been cheaper if i just paid cash like for me individually have an example for that because i can't i I can't wrap my head around it (laughs) my wife last year she has sinus problems so she goes um we're cash pay now okay so she makes an appointment for the ent and they say well okay it's gonna be 350 dollars for the consult okay so she goes in Pays three fifty on a credit card. They put a scope up her nose, diagnose her, um, and she leaves. Three hundred fifty. That's it. That's all we paid, and she was diagnosed. Um, somebody told me they went to the ENT for the same thing. They were high deductible, and their bill was like a thousand dollars because you had the consult and then the scope is a separate code that they build. So, Ooh. so they they kind of unbundled the visit. To jack up the claim cost. Okay. And so, but this person was paying first dollar under under their deductible. So they had to pay thousand dollars because they build all these codes in this visit. Whereas if it's cash, you know, I'm just gonna take 350 because I don't have to hire, you know, revenue cycle people to fight with the insurance companies to get paid. Yeah. 
that costs money. That is not free. That's interesting. That's all right. So that's a clear example. Thanks for that. <laughs> it always by it always boggled me. I just couldn't. I mean, I heard about it a lot of places, but I just couldn't wrap my head around it. It's it's insane. Um, and I saw it every time you took money back from a doctor or a hospital. They responded by code shifting. They would just make other visits more expensive. Oh, you're going to take back money here. Well, I'm going to build a level four or level five on those people so that I can get mm -hmm. the money back you just took from me here. They're just changing the way they bill to get their money. So money's never mm -hmm. coming out of the system. It's going into corporate profits. And that was the, the book cooking that really upset me that this isn't honest. Taking money back isn't lowering the cost for the consumer because they're raising the cost somewhere else because of you right. just because of your actions. So it, and it's just it's so nasty and and nobody cares and um it was just like I can't do this no more. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand that. I understand that. Yeah, the nobody cares part. That's that's very American. I don't know why. <laughs> well, that's, that that <laughs> explains what my experience is at the insurance company where, you know, you're trying to go around explaining. You have the data. You have their data. So you have the data with MPI mm -hmm. numbers. Like, like you have it. And it, it was a clear as day action on September on, on September 1st, reaction on September 10th or September 15th. Like, here's your action. Here's their reaction a few days later. Like, yeah. this isn't people don't get sicker when you take money back from a doctor or hospital. They're responding to you clawing money back from them or denying their claim. Yeah. As you're saying, that has that has some really serious ripple effects. Oh, where, yeah. Right. Because we're we're talking about like upcoding. It is in many cases. It's not just, yeah. So it's it's upcoding. Um, and then we're starting to say that, oh, this is the risk level. And we're attaching that to a much higher dollar now, right. several years out for care that's really not this person isn't any sicker yes exactly than that same person was like years back it's it has nothing to do with that it's not patient acuity it's revenue maximization and yeah, and right. and that's what really disappoints me with the actuaries is that they're taking this data this these diagnosis codes these procedure codes and they're doing risk profiling and saying oh this person is so is riskier therefore we need to charge higher premiums because the data says they're sicker yeah no they're not sicker that they're upcoding and and bamboozling the claim to maximize their revenues and you're taking yeah. their lie and carrying it forward and risk scoring people who aren't sick that's what <laughs> that's what this claim said it was so when i i feel that the way we're going to seriously correct the system is when we pay cash and we take the claims out of the system the claims is the lifeblood of the managed care system. The, everybody responds to the claim, the reports, the risk adjustment, everything is on the claim. So when you take the claim away from the industry, they, they implode because you're taking away their food. That's so interesting. So you're you're kind of I didn't realize that coming into the call. You're kind of anti-managed care. <laughs> and I'm 100% anti-managed. Like, I don't care about your claims, your risk adjusting, your code, your payment integrity. I don't care about any of it. I'm taking a claim away from you. I'm paying the lowest rate. And and good luck to you as I take away your business. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I I can't defend managed care. Um, but I, I I spent a few a few years working in that space, mostly in the... Um, uh, supporting accountable care organizations and in a Medicare fee-for-service world. So I understand it. Um, and I, I told, I went to this one, I was at, at a guest speaker at this uh, 
at this doctor's at an ACO thing in um okay. Florida. I'm on the panel. All right. And I'm like, the guy who invited me to speak, I'm like, do you really want me there? I don't think you want me there. <laughs> no, I want you here. I want you here. I want you here. So we go in there. I'm on a panel. And I say in front of all these doctors and all these executives, managed care, I'm like, look, if I'm diagnosed with depression and I go to Mark Cuban's website and pay cash for an antidepressant drug, I don't have a gap in care. You have fake data. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because because the whole gaps in care thing is rules driven. Like you have this condition. I should see this follow-up care to make to confirm this this condition is being managed. All right. Mm-hmm. And so, but when you pay cash, there's no claim. So it's it's going to trick the algorithm to say you're yeah. you're sicker, you're not managing oh, the care. Super disruptive. Yeah, it's really disruptive. Yeah, I'm like, you know, no, no, no. You, I don't have a gap in care. You have a fake report, <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh they're all upset at me. I'm like, I don't care. I'm, I'm done with these lies. The whole, it's yeah, it's not simply for payments. There's so much like health services driven, like resources driven by claims. All of it. I mean. How claims is how we know like if if the proportion of diabetics in in the community is growing. Yeah, right? like that's and really that's how we know what what should we, be done is they should be using the EHR data, the electronic the electronic health record data. That is your true data source. I do know that data is messy and and that people are trying to clean it up, but your clinical yeah. notes come from the EHR data. The claims data is about revenue maximization. So don't don't insult me by telling me. I'm a sicker person because they upcoded me. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Come on. <laughs> All, right. All right. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, it's measurement is super hard. It's super hard. And I can't say that I can't say that it's just been like fantastic. You know, we've had years, decades, really of building new measures and they're built off administrative claims. Yeah. Um, All of it. And, you know, it's not, I, it, these are strong statements to make, but it's not clear I could say this. It's not clear that um, we have like a lot of that we have significant progress after monitoring. That's right. Um, these claims. I I don't think so. Like we we track them. We put benchmarks in place. Uh, you'll say you'll see like different ACOs and different groups of providers will raise their hand saying we've beat this metric. We've done better. Right. Our patients are healthier. Everyone says that. But you know, mortality statistics are not. Yeah. Our li- our life years are not increasing. Right, right, right. So it's not, you know, the, the the end result that we're all expecting and hoping for either longer lives and better quality of life or fewer sicker people, just basically, um, none of that really coming true, despite like a thousand success stories. Healthcare is all about the middleman economy. You have all these people trying to do these models and these new metrics with the claims data to show their value, but it's not increasing the life years. It's, it's, you know, yeah. I'm trying to get paid to to create some reports that look like they do something when the data on the claim is fake. Exaggerated to be kind. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little uh, <laughs> blonde, sarcastic with my. But no, no, that's fine. It's that's exaggerated. Fine. It's a better way of saying it. Yeah, it's it's exaggerated. The, input, the inputs on the claim are exaggerated, 100. Yeah. percent So please don't take this and tell me how sick I am. Yeah, yeah. There's there's incentives there to exaggerate. I mean. To be fair, like health services researchers do are are very aware of upcoding and they do 
account for that to the best that that can be done, I would say, or they put a lot of attention into that. Um, right now, does that matter? At the end of the day, does that matter? No. I can't say that it matters. Yeah. And really, you know, like I would say this, I like when we have price variations, when you look at any hospital and the delta between the, the min rate and the max rate is 10 X. Yeah. What's a claim? It's like, this isn't going to lower my cost when I'm paying 10 times more than somebody else for the same thing. So I feel that claims analysis is only going to be useful when there's rate parity. When there's competition and you know we don't have these crazy variations, then the claim might mean something as far as how to, how to control cost. But, it's, okay. but as long as the price variations exist as we see them today, looking at the claims data is really limited. Or misleading. I was, I was, I, was, I didn't want to say, I was going to say misleading, but I want to be nice. So I said limited. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, that's fine. That's fine. I hear you there. No, you don't have to be nice. It's cool. Um, yeah. So that's a very interesting. So what do you think about like Medicare for all or, or, or like a single, single payer? I, I am not, I am not, no? but I, I do recognize that people we want as a benevolent society, we want to make sure everybody's well cared for. We don't mm -hmm. want to anybody to go untreated when they can be treated. And we don't want, you know, lack of payment to be a consequence for them not getting care. So I, yeah. if we're going to do some kind of a Medicare for all, I feel that the government should only pay up to the lowest amount the hospital accepts as payment in full. Like, hey, I want you to get your care. I'm not going to pay 10 times more than somebody else for the same thing so you can get your care. I'm going to pay the minimum. Right. And if you want to go, you know, somewhere else to pay some more money. That's on you. You pay the delta. You pay the difference. But okay. the government is only going to pay the minimum amount needed for you to get well. Okay. So we're talking about Medicaid for all. I, I guess it. That's yeah, I guess that's it. Look like a yeah. Medicaid for all. But how do I say this? The the prices we see today are like ten times higher than they need to be because it's all based on gouging. You know, we mm -hmm. never had competition, so people are going to get the highest rate they can get. So memorializing any rate today is wrong because it's not based on supply chain management. It's based on this false economy, which is what healthcare is today. Maybe in five years, 10 years, if there's, if Billy is adopted and we have this correction and prices come down, then we do like this Medicaid for all where okay. uh, you know, I'm going to pay the, the lowest rate needed, not, <laughs> right, you want to get paid so you can pay for your sure house. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. So it's essentially what you're saying is there's there's very important prerequisites before not just policy, you know, fights, but prerequisites in terms of understanding their true costs and what the prices should be before yes. there's any sort of implementation on like yes, yes, coverage. There okay. should be contracts should be banned. There should be no contracts and networks with price transparency because it's all memorializing false prices. We need a correction. We need consumerism and competition, and we need to cut the waste out of the system. Once we accomplish that, then let's have a conversation about Medicaid for all, but not before then. You know, this thought just struck my mind since the integrity of the data is now super important because we, we need to get to that place. Um, can the hospitals submit like phony data? Well, that's a great question. And I get this from people like, oh, the data's fake. These aren't real prices. You know, they're just putting gibberish out there. 
and I, I tell you that's false because when I look at when I talk to TPAs around the country who have contracts with hospitals, and I show them Billy or the data, and they see their rate, and they'll say, "Yeah, that's our, that's us. That's the right rate," because they know their own rates. Mm -hmm. And okay. yeah, and so second, there's a truth. There's a truth source there. These folks would just say, these folks would just call out the liars, so they can't really do that. Right. I mean, they're, they're looking at their own, they know their own rates and they're looking at the machine readable files and saying, yep, that's my rate. Okay. And number two, it's like the courts are going to hold the hospitals accountable for the rates they publish. So if I read Billy and I say this code, you're telling me this code is $400 and you say, no, 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 it's $4,000. I'm, I'm going to send you a collection until you pay me $4,000. Well, I can go to the small claims court and say, I'm not paying more than 400 and the judge can't say you have to pay 4,000 when they take 400 from somebody else. Like mm -hmm. these, these prices, price transparency is legitimate. Yeah. Okay. Even, even if the hospital posts bad data, they're now hold, they're now accountable to the bad data they publish because that is what is out there. They can't right. just deviate from that and say, uh, screw it. You're going to pay me whatever I want. <laughs> okay. no, you're not. And is that data consistent? So it's annual, right? They have to publish rates from the past year. Is that how it works? No. Oh. So they do have to refresh their files at least once a year, but the rates are what the rates are today, not what they were last year. Okay. So current rates and current they're rates. obligated to refresh them after some period of time. 12 months, no more than 12 months. I forget the name of the hospital. I just did one. I think it was in uh, California. It came up like September 10th. Like this, these rates are effective September 10th. Mm -hmm. And so you can look at that hospital in California and say, that's the rate I expect to pay on September 18th. That makes sense. So what about the hospitals that have not complied? And how does that impact Billy? If the hospital has not complied, has no file, that data will not be in Billy. Okay. And and I feel that it's only it's going to be a disservice to the hospitals who have not posted, because when people look at Billy, they're not going to go to a hospital who hasn't posted their prices. Nobody's going to go, oh, they didn't post their prices. I want to go there, so they ripped me off. Like that's not going to happen. Okay, so you're saying instinctively, intuitively, the user will see any sort of dots there with no data. So it's, it represents- And go somewhere else. Yeah, but yeah, that's right. That's right. Because that, we're just instinctively thinking that that's the highest price, folks. Because right. That's why it. I'm not seeing it because they're the highest. So I'm going to go somewhere else. So it's it's a moral hazard. Billy is a moral hazard for noncompliance. It's more punitive than fines. When you take away market share, that is more punitive yes. than a fine. Yes, yes. I don't know. I'm sort of believing this more. I think this is a really good idea. I know a lot, of, a lot of product guys are, are like, eh, maybe not, maybe not. But I think, I think it's, uh, I think it's really interesting. I think what you got is really cool, man. Well, it's not just me. It's Cody and Dustin, uh, my partners, and who help get this off the ground. Cool. All right. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll find them on on social. Make sure that uh, anything that gets shared tags them too. Um, yes, please. Yeah. No, for sure, for sure. You know, there are. Have you thought about like market segmentation? Like, who are you targeting? I know you have like broad categories, and you mentioned them. Um, but I feel like there are, but there are certain personality types typically. Well, I think, you know, Billy's best friend is inflation because it's shrinking everybody's paycheck Yeah, and, and nobody wants to go to a hospital at all. Mm -hmm. 
and to get hit with a crummy bill is even more bitter. So, of yeah. course, they're going to look at Billy because they need to make sure they weren't overcharged. Yeah. So it's it's a necessity. I hear you. The times are on your side with Billy. It in is. In terms of inflation, absolutely. So I found this thing on your on your site, on Health Cost Labs, um, and it was sort of like this checklist. Oh, yeah. How to, how to buy low-cost health Healthcare. Yeah, this is Leo's uh, homebrew. Okay. <laughs> and I, it, I liked it. It was almost like, it's literally like a recipe. It is. Save money and safeguard yourself. And it needs to get out there. I feel like it, like from looking at that, I feel like it has to get out there. Like Billy is getting pushed out. Yeah. I, I, we may, I mean, I may ask Dustin to add a menu option into Billy to put that list. Okay. This is, you know, that, that list at Leo's um, homebrew. This is just what I've learned over the years of being a student of healthcare cost. You want to, if you don't want to get ripped off, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this, <laughs> this, 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 this. That's great. That's great. I mean, I saw stuff there that I was like, wow, that's surprising. Like you had this one thing, never sign the electronic signature pad when you're that's purchasing right. healthcare, like never put your initials there or your signature. No. Well, it's funny. <laughs> I, I, last year, um, I took my son to the dermatologist for acne and, and I go in, I'm cash, I'm cash pay. Okay. And they say, okay, we they hand me the electronic signature pad. You got to sign twice. One is for the HIPAA release, and two is a, a financial statement. So I'm like, okay, I'll sign a HIPAA release. I'm like, and I couldn't even, re- I'm like, can I read this financial statement before I sign this huh. signature pad? So she hands me a clipboard, and I go and I sit down, and I read it. <laughs> and and one, the one sentence, it said that I allow them to bill me indefinitely until payment is made in full, something like that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what this cost is going to be, but I'm going to allow you to bill me forever until you get what you bill me. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm going to cross that line out and initiate. But this is the language that's in these electronic signature pads. You are, you are authorizing them to bill you whatever the hell they want without you knowing upfront what it's going to be. And then, then to be in collections until they get their bounty. Wow. That's terrible. So whenever you're presented with an electronic signature pad, anybody, sign, I did not read this. Enter. Okay. And, and, so, and, so and you're it, saying just do that quietly. Just, I did not just read Just do it quietly. This. Don't even argue with them. Yeah. And, do, and so when they, <laughs> if it, the day ever comes where they're going to hold you accountable to the prices, say, well, show me where I signed it. I'll pay you whatever you bill me. Wow. <laughs> All right. I like that. I love that idea, actually, when I came across that. That's. That's awesome. And then you have things here like um, the good faith estimates. Yeah. Talk, let's talk about that because that's – that's uh... It's powerful. So um, it's in the No Surprises Act, and it's to protect cash-paying people from being overcharged. So you, when you pay cash and you're going in for you know, elective surgery, the law says hospitals and doctors are required to give you an amount for treatment. Up front, so, okay. so you can decline it or go somewhere else. And once you have that, if if the amount billed is over $400 from their good faith estimate, you can protest it. So, And that is kind of what a contract is all about when you join a network. It, these are these guardrails that are supposed to protect you from being overbilled, even though that doesn't happen. But this is, in my opinion, 
this is what makes price transparency work. You know, prices without guarantees I'm going to pay that amount are really limited. And, and you know, what's a price if I can't honor – if they're not going to honor that price? Yeah. The good faith yeah. estimate is about them honoring this price. It connects the dots. Yeah, we're not used – as a society, we're not used to prices changing dramatically either. We get really pissed when we see that. But it's- right, and so, but that's what healthcare is. Healthcare is about upcoding, unbundling, and putting whatever they want on that claim to maximize revenues. So you yeah. absolutely need a good faith estimate. That is what makes price transparency work. Interesting. Okay, you think that'll, you think that would harm care delivery, or impact care delivery in some way, where it's like oh, that's a great have- question. You know, it might, but I feel that the do- the hospitals and doctors who are good at their job and can manage their resources to do the treatment within their budget are mm-hmm. going to excel. You know, it's just it's just like when you call mm-hmm. a plumber or any kind of when you bid work out to somebody, if they're good at their job and they have the experience and can diagnose it and say, ah, you need this and I need to do all this. Here's my price. Yeah. Those guys are invaluable when they can quote a job and That's stick the to the man. price. Yeah. People use them. They don't go to somebody who just can't get their act together. So are you you have any uh, thoughts on tying quality to to Billy, like quality metrics? If it exists. They have like hospital compare. Well, they have um Leapfrog, which is like a survey, but and I didn't know this until after I left the insurance company, that when they give data claims data to to third parties, they <laughs> remove the MPI number from the claim. So you'll get data. But there's no MPI on that data for you to trace quality back to the doctor. It's just here's your risk score. Here are the codes that were billed on this visit. Yeah. You'll know what doctor did the billing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So quality doesn't exist in, 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 in the claims data. It may exist other places, but it doesn't exist on claims data. But if quality does exist, we'll bring it in. But right now, it's very suspect what's out there. I mean, I did, I did try to look at some of that. Like I, I went into, of course, I put in my zip code and Billy and I was looking through the different area. Um, and I was looking mostly, I think what caught my eye were hospitals that didn't re- report data. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You didn't <laughs> report anything. Huh. Or they did some selective thing. Like they didn't report the cash price. Yeah. I was like, oh, so that's that's not compliant, right? I mean. Yes, that's not compliant. But And, and okay. to you as a consumer, that's a red flag. I think so. Yeah, I think so. The cash price is what I'm most interested in. So if they don't put the cash price, that's a red flag that you should probably go somewhere else. Cool. Yeah. No, it's not easy. It's not easy. I'll certainly let my network know about Billy. I'm excited about this for you guys. I think, you know, I think this is what should happen. You know, this is what should happen. I think that's the purpose of the law change. Um, We want to see this work and drive down healthcare spending further. Um, There could be downstream effects of that. Like, you know, care delivery could be impacted. I don't know. There could be a lot of things. Right. Um, but I think the status quo sucks. So so let's move the needle on on price transparency yeah. and, and reducing healthcare expenditures as much, you know, give it the best earnings. And, and you know, possibly. I think that I think that when we cut out the waste out of healthcare, everybody will be open to the conversation about Medicaid for all. It's a non-starter yeah. today because Everything's overpriced and nothing's legitimate, and that's the, it's a silly conversation. But if we can cut out the waste. It's a legitimate conversation to have. Yeah, that's right. Because you know the CBO is just going to come back with these huge estimates, yeah, from whatever data they have now in hand, the most recent, 
and it's going to be an astronomical figure. That's right. Um, and then they're going to translate that into increased taxes or increased money yeah. printing. And then the American public says, no, no way. I don't want this. Right. And then it dies. And so, I think, it, and then, you know, five years later, it, the, the conversation starts again. It so we need to have a correction. We need people to adopt Billy to create competition, pay the lowest rates. You know, hopefully in five years, we'll have, you know, somewhat of a rate parity. Mm -hmm. And we can have different conversations. Interesting. Yeah, no, I like that. I really like that point you're making. What about competition to Billy? Is there any? Um, I know like different companies, like even my company, I think put out put something out, but it's very like enterprise level. Well, I what I what I'm seeing is that price transparency today is being used for purposes of contract negotiations. Yes. What is that the hospital getting paid? I want to be more than them. Or yeah. you know, you know, and that is not what price transparency is about. Price transparency is about competition and lowering prices. So I think they're misusing the data to support the broken Managed system. Care beast. Yeah. Okay. That's not okay. what that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to just break it and start a new health system. A cash pay, a cash first system driven at the bottom by the consumer. Yes. The laws don't need to get changed, but what insurance companies should do is they say, look, I recognize the these contracts and these network prices have failed. Send us your cash receipt. We'll reimburse you and apply that amount to your deductible because you know our network rates are are not accurate. They're distorted, and so hopefully new insurance companies will materialize that will honor that will apply the cash rates to your deductible. So you have that risk sharing um, entity behind you. That's okay. not here. That's not here today, but hopefully you know I think. I think they will come up. Price transparency is going to force new businesses into the market where there is a need. That's how businesses grow. That's an interesting idea. Sort of like essentially using the cash cash rates to the deductible. Um, yes, they should yeah. do that. We don't need a law to make this happen. They, Blue Cross, Aetna, Cigna, they could do this right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the first to do it might have some advantage there. I don't know. They know. should do it. If they, if they want to be around in a few years, they have to do it because nobody's going to pay 10 times higher than cash. So the amount can go against my deductible, which I never hit every year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, right. that's not going to work. Interesting. Yeah. No, I feel like things are happening. I don't know if the, if um, there's a lot of movement on the contract side yet. Do you, do you see that? Can you see that? I don't know if you can, but I mean, my company just tra traded out the uh, our old payer for a new payer. I imagine they took into this new data into consideration. When I hope they did. I, I mean, sure I, I don't know, but I just feel that the industry is going is going to change. It cannot stay where it's at. This data is going to force a change, and hopefully, you know, people who are thinking ahead of the curve down, you know, has some long term vision, mm -hmm. will integrate this data into their work product so that they can be relevant in the new marketplace. I and agree. if they don't. They're going to be pushed aside, just like blockbuster video. I agree. The groundswell of disgust towards healthcare payments, in particular, whether it's PBMs, pharma, hospital prices. Um, I just saw this article a couple of weeks back. Like hospitals are suing suing people. They're putting liens on people's homes for unpaid bills. It's just disgusting. So when you see, like, it just just because a lot of folks have tried to disrupt healthcare and didn't get very far doesn't mean that that effort will stop. The incentive to change the system is getting stronger and stronger yeah. and stronger. And you know, the this data, this is factual. It's not an idea I hope you adopt. 
yeah. the laws are behind this data. So you're going to you're going to get in line or you're going to get pushed aside. It's not a cho- it's not a choice. We'll see. We'll see in a year, man. Yeah, we will. <laughs> I think I think Billy will grow. I, and I hope I hope you you have what you need to keep going. You know, even if it's like slow growth, I hope you have what you need to keep going for the next at least a couple of years. I thank you for that. Take off. Cool. Is there anything you'd like to get across that I didn't ask you so far on whether it's health cost labs or Billy or anything else? It's just, you know, everybody has to police their own payments. Nobody is going to do it for you. You just can't trust that the bill you got is accurate. It's not. And you need to learn how to use this data and be your own advocate. I'm sorry. You got to do it. Nobody else is going to help you do it. Leo, thank you so much for for coming on the show. This has been a great conversation. I learned a lot. You made a lot of important points here. um, And we're going to spread that message. Well, thank you. I appreciate talking to you.